Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. you to remain standing as you are able for the reading of our scriptures. The first is the scripture from our series, Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. In Lamentations 3, verses 1 through 9 and 19 through 24. I am one who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Against me alone he turns his hand again and again all day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away and broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me sit in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has put heavy chains on me. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stones. He has made my paths crooked. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The word of God for the people of God. Um, I know. Lamentations. Uh, when I, uh, when I chose the scripture, I decided that I needed to do something else so that people didn't immediately turn around and leave. So uh, I had to name my sermon after some journey songs. So uh, that's a little bait and switch for you. Um, and, you know, some of the kids might not know that, but parents, you can play it on the way home and, and give them an education. So Lamentations is an odd choice. It seems like an odd choice, but I would wager uh, that it's a book that we almost never read. We almost never hear preached. But I thought that it fit our needs today for a few reasons. Uh, Number one, I have heard the language of lament a lot over the last few months. The seemingly never-ending saga of COVID, the ongoing epidemic of violence, war in Ukraine, fears over the health of our society and our democracy, economic anxiety, and a general mean-spiritedness that prevents us ever from graciously disagreeing on anything anymore. There is a heaviness. I feel it. I think that you feel it as well. People are burnt out from being worried about everything all the time. People are 
sick and tired of being sick and tired. But there is always hope. Even here in this scripture, there is a turn towards hope. Even here in one of the most honest expressions of pain and suffering within the Bible, it cannot help but turn towards hope because of who God is. And also because this scripture from Lamentations is part of the lectionary, but it's generally part of the lectionary and is read on Holy Saturday, the day between Good Friday and Easter. It is often read on the day in which the church sits in that space between the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Christ. It is meant as a scripture for us at times when we are acutely aware of the gap between the promise of God's victory and its realization. Lamentations is a collection of poetry that was written after the destruction of Jerusalem in 586, if you want a, a historical period for it. Um, it's a witness of those who have experienced the crushing destruction of their homes, of their cities, of their temple, of their neighbors. It is a witness of the survivors who are serving in exile in Babylon. It is a witness of people struggling with what it means to have faith when their world seems to be falling apart. And I can hear you say, gee, Ryan, that's cheery. Why are you doing this to us? I'm doing this to you because it's also a profound witness to resurrection. Yes, resurrection. Even 600 years before the life of Christ, we have the scriptures recognizing that God is bringing new life even amidst death. In scriptures of lament, like this one, or like last week, Reverend Blair read Psalm 13, uh, there is almost always this turn towards hope. This recognition that God is still active, still doing something, even if we can't see it, even if we can't understand it, even if all circumstances surrounding us point to the contrary. There is a recognition that God is doing something new, something which we might rightly call resurrection. And it is all rooted in the knowledge that God is faithful. The scriptures talk about God's faithfulness this way in, in Exodus. It says, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God of tenderness and compassion, slow to anger, rich in kindness and abounding in faithfulness. For the thousandth generation, Yahweh maintains his kindness, forgiving all our faults, transgressions, and sins. This is a, a central creed in the life of faith of the people of Israel as it is in our life of faith. And recalling this at times when everything seems to be contrary to it, 
is not just an act of hope, but is an act of defiance, is an act of profound faith. So why wouldn't I just preach from that? Why did I have to make us go into Lamentations? And that's a great question. Um, You see, our faith, much like our lives, is made up of so many um, paradoxes and so much mystery. And it seems that hope is born much more out of struggle and pain than it is out of comfort and plenty. If we have our needs met and we are healthy and wealthy and wise, we have little use for hope. We have little reason to try and reimagine the world in a different way. Experiencing suffering often births hope. In fact, I tried to find a scripture that talked about God's faithfulness absent this context, that talked about God's faithfulness in in bright and cheery terms, but I couldn't find any. The Exodus passage that I just read actually comes in the midst of Israel having escaped from Egypt, being in the wilderness and hungry and homeless and wandering, having nothing. Psalm 13 that that Reverend Blair preached on last week begins with, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever before finally turning to, but I have trusted in your steadfast love and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Another one of the books of the prophets, Habakkuk, ends this way. Though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines, Though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. Almost every time the scriptures witness to God's faithfulness, it is within the context of a contrary reality. It is almost always in the context of yet, even on such a day as this, I hope in the Lord. Because these witnesses felt something. They knew something that is difficult to recognize. And it's difficult to recognize. It's hard to admit because we don't want it to be true. But they recognize that the project of faith is not to avoid pain or death or difficulty, but to transform it, to practice resurrection There's an old blues song that that says, um, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Father Richard Rohr wrote about it similarly, that resurrection is another word for positive change. But in the moment, resurrection just looks like death. When we can't see what is being brought about, when we can't see the renewal, we just see the end of one thing before the rebirth into something else. How badly we want resurrection without death. How badly we want change without struggle. We want, but it's not possible. And so the scriptures gift us these uh, witnesses that use the language of lament always tinged and tempered by hope 
and all of which relies on the faithfulness of God. Now, if nothing that I've said so far makes any sense to you, take courage because you're not alone. This stuff does not make sense. It, it, it's nonsense. It does not make logical sense. But that's the way of life and faith. It is full of mystery and paradox. And I am thankful for that because I am a recipient of that. Because God's faithfulness to me is not and has never been dependent upon my worthiness or my readiness. That it is regardless of whether I deserve it. That though I am often faithless, God remains always faithful. And because God is faithful, we can be faithful. So the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of faithfulness, is not something that we do on our own, but it is a participation in the faithfulness of God. It is derived from God's faithfulness. And the other good thing about it, at least for me, as I often fail, is that faithfulness is an end in and of itself. It does not require effectiveness. Uh, Mother Teresa said it this way, that we are called not to be successful, but to be faithful. One of my favorite books uh, is To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, and I have fallen more in love with it since becoming a parent, uh, just idolizing and, and loving to read the way that Atticus Finch fathers his children in that book. Uh, and there's one point in the story where Atticus makes his son Jim go and read at the bedside of a woman whose health is failing. And it is a woman who is mean and bitter and lashes out at people and has frequently said unkind words to Atticus's children about him. And so his son Jim goes and reads to her for about a month as her health continues to fade and he goes day in and day out and reads to her uh, and eventually she dies. And after that, Atticus is explaining why he made his son do this. He reveals to his son that this woman, their neighbor, had suffered an addiction to morphine and was determined to be free of her addiction before she died. And he made his son go and read to her to distract her from her pain. And he says that he also made him go read to her so that he knew what courage looked like. And he says this, he said, I wanted you to see what real courage is instead of getting the idea that courage is a man with a gun. It's when you know you're licked before you begin, but you begin anyway and see it through no matter what. You rarely win, but sometimes you do. I am deeply grateful that faithfulness does not necessitate success. It is one of the more freeing things of the faith. You know, I grew up within the church hearing a lot about obedience is the key to faith. I, I was taught that God had laid out the rules and that my job was simply to follow them, to follow the path that God had put before me. 
I tried extremely hard, but I was not successful. It caused a lot of anxiety, and often when I raised questions about obedience and why be obedient, why be obedient to some rules and not others, I was usually given uh, unsatisfactory answers and told to just obey. I wish so much instead that I had heard more about faithfulness than obedience. Because obedience always to me felt like it was grounded in my ability, my ability to perform, my ability to act right. Whereas faithfulness is centered on who God is and my relationship with God. This faithfulness is, is relational. It leaves room to grow. It leaves room to change. It's mutual. I can be obedient to God, but God has no obedience to me in any real way. But faithfulness, God is faithful to me, and so I am faithful to God. It's a beautiful picture of the dance of faith between us and, and God. And it's a witness to what we experience at the table here. We come to this table and we experience anew the faithfulness of a God whose love for us was so deep, so transformational that God would sacrifice his very life to show us that love. We come to this table and we are confronted with the faithfulness of God that is entirely unearned. And that is why this table is open to anybody. Regardless of your faith, regardless of the status of your life, regardless of the status of your relationship with God, because God is faithful, you are welcome at this table. And because God is faithful, you can come and partake in this very real act of grace and know that you might really and truly be changed by it. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.